What is up, you two? Welcome in to another edition of Bucky and BK live on Texas Sports Unfiltered. Today is Friday, September 8th, 2023. We are one day away from Texas and Alabama. The biggest game of the college football weekend, maybe the biggest game of the college football year just about to arrive and we are pumped we're going to be bringing you wall-to-wall coverage all day long today and of course we will have a pre-game show and a post-game show before and after tomorrow night's tilt if you're watching on youtube you notice that you do not see bucky godbolt if you're listening on the app you are now aware that bucky godbolt is not here today he's a little bit under the weather so filling in a voice and a face you all are very familiar with i doubt you like it that's how it's going to be. Trey Elling is with me this morning. We are bringing the people an early edition of Trey and BK. Trey, appreciate you stepping up and stepping in today. What's going on, brother? I have decided, BK, to extend the record that I have set here at Texas Sports Unfiltered for most straight hours of live programming co-hosted. It started yesterday at noon, <laughs> went all the way to five o'clock or a little bit after. Chip was traveling to Tuscaloosa, so I hopped on with Zay, and then I did my normal thing from three to five with KD, and so now we go from five hours all the way to just about seven by the time the morning show's done. I have to break a little bit early, so uh, I'm going to tap wags in at that time. So I can head over to Covert for a big event that we have going on today. But yes, you are looking at a record-setting human here at Texas Sports Unfiltered if you're watching on YouTube right now. And for your sake, I hope you don't break that record. And for everybody else's sake, I hope nobody comes close to breaking that record. But yeah, you have stepped up in a big, big way. How you feeling this morning? You got the juice? Did you get enough sleep? You good to go? No, I feel great. As a matter of fact, to uh, to really raise the the curtain up for people entirely too much. Normally, you and I will talk for, I don't know, five or ten minutes before the show just to uh, kind of figure out what we want to talk about. But we've done this long enough and we've got a good enough rapport that we can wing it when we need to. We're truly having to wing it today because I was on until about ten minutes beforehand, which is probably right when you logged on and had a bit of a medical emergency that I didn't want to turn into a biohazard during the show of me Ooh. having to uh, to drag my happy-slash-sad ass to the bathroom in the middle of a conversation. So instead, stepped away, did that business. Now we're back, ready to go. Tank's on empty in a good way. <laughs> Is this what your bathroom looks like? what it would have looked like thank goodness it didn't although uh, it would have looked exactly like that because i would have figured out a way to keep it literally in my shorts and not let it drip all over the place yeah how i still can't believe she and yes i feel confident now after talking to enough of my sources to confirm that the mad shitter was in fact and is in fact a woman how could she not just for a little bit longer I mean, that's not even close to the bathroom, right? It's not like she was right outside the door and, oh, maybe there was somebody in there and she just couldn't hold it. And then, boom, all of a sudden it happens. Like, she, I mean, that's midway through the plane right there. She wasn't even close to the lavatory. 
Kevin and I talked more about it yesterday because this is even with Texas, Alabama, this is somehow the story of the week, right? It's like every layer that you learn with this story makes it even more confusing and bizarre and makes you want to learn more. Like we all assumed that it was a dude whenever this story first broke. Like some disgusting guy, probably from Wisconsin, he does nothing but consume beer and cheese and has done so for decades on end now. And this is the end result of that, of his system failing him. No, it turns out to be a woman. And then you're like, okay, well, with this big of a mess, it had to have been her wearing a skirt or a dress or maybe even shorts or something, but she's wearing pants. And then you see just how long of a mess that it is. Like you assume that maybe, I don't know, maybe it's like a, a couple feet's worth of, uh, of sour Duke. But no, it turns out to be like the, the entire airplane aisle leading to the back porta pot at the back of the plane. Oh, disgusting, man. And the more I hear about it, the more disgusted I am about it. But also the more enamored I am about it. I mean, I can't have enough. Seriously, I, I hope we get more video or audio or something in relation to this story today. Like, I don't want this thing to go away. You know, usually you want diarrhea to go away as quickly as possible. I want this diarrhea to last for as long as possible because this is gold, Jerry. Gold. First time anybody has ever hoped that the diarrhea lasts for as long as possible. Zay and I came up with a couple of theories yesterday that may help explain it. Okay. Remember how Aaron Rodgers a couple years ago talked about doing a psychedelic drug called ayahuasca? Yeah. So do you do you have any familiarity with ayahuasca, like what it is and what the process entails? A little bit, but I'll hear more. Psychedelic trip that goes for hours on end. And typically, it's not always the case, but typically people literally go to the, the Amazon in South America and sit in on these rituals essentially where you have somebody who is kind of leading the way but part of the process of doing this drug is profusely puking and shitting yourself like you have no control over that you just lose bowel control mm. so it's possible that this yahoo decided to do something like that which is the theory that uh that zay started that i kind of put together but then i also thought about this and this is where the story would get really sad where it no longer becomes a joke but Let's say this person had a colostomy bag and the colostomy bag. These things are made very well at, in 2023, obviously. So this does seem a little bit far-fetched too, but maybe the colostomy bag sprang a leak and that's why it was just in, just dripping all over the place. Uh, I feel like we would have heard about that by now. No, I would think so too, but you'd be surprised at how subtle colostomy bags are at this point. And people aren't openly sharing if they are dealing with the colostomy bag bit are you dealing with the colostomy bag let me just let you know right now even if i was <laughs> even if i was the answer would be no you know i did notice anybody that... who was dealing with the colostomy bag not letting somebody else know that either <laughs> you know i did notice as you mentioned you did five hours straight of Texas Sports Unfiltered yesterday, and you did not get up to use the bathroom one single time. So, you know, maybe not a colostomy bag, maybe a catheter. I'm not sure, but I've got some questions about what's going on over there. Uh, it's called me not doing a good enough job of drinking water, and I need to get better at that. So it actually served me well yesterday. I did get up one time 
during the show with Zay, and it was right at a point where Zay was able to do a live read because my idiot dog, who barks at his own shadow, uh, decided to go on a barking fit. So he got locked up in the cage for a little while oh. to do the rest of the show in peace. And at that oh. time, I actually did get up and get some water. But fortunately, it wasn't enough that forced me to have Kevin uh, filibuster for a few minutes while I could go take care of that business. Oh, you gave your dog the Hillary Clinton treatment? You locked him up? Uh, Yeah. yeah. Well, Hillary's never been locked up, but yeah. Ah, that's what the chant was. I wasn't sure if it worked or not. It, it did not. For uh. And we'll just leave it at that. I'm not going <laughs> to... Not going to infuse any political commentary there because I don't have much faith in any of them. So you don't yep. get to pigeonhole me as a Trump fan or a Republican or whatever else just because I'm going to say something negative about Hillary. But yeah, well, like many of them are too. You just uh, you heard my political knowledge right there. I, I know a chant that I think happened five years ago. So <laughs> that's where we're at right now. Hey, great oh. from Jay Ward first thing in the morning. By the way, this guy's. I don't want to uh, put any pressure on CB here. This guy's becoming Texas Sports Unfiltered CB because he is a part of each and every show. At least Trey didn't give him the real Hillary treatment and suicide him. Oh, good point. That's some politics that I don't know about. That is above my pay grade right there. Something happened to Monica? Um, there, there have been a few people in the history of the Clintons who have uh, suddenly suicided themselves, or maybe it was... Made to look like a suicide. Oh, what did George do? George Clinton? Yeah. I don't think he's a part of it just yet. Okay. Thank God. Thank God. Hey, before we dive into Texas and Alabama, by the way, we've got a couple of guests joining us today. Jeff Howe of Texas Sports Unfiltered and of Horns 24-7. He'll be joining us at 30 to really deep dive into this Texas-Alabama game. Plus, our buddy Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports will be with us at 9.15 to give you and your cousins out there some winners for the college and NFL weekend. I've got to give you some love, my friend. Yesterday, on our midday show, you said not only were the Detroit Lions going to cover the 4.5-5 to five against the Kansas City Chiefs, but you said, in the words of our man Lee Sterling, wrong team favored, and sure enough, in the NFL season opener, the Detroit Lions go into Kansas City and they knock off the defending champion Chiefs. A thrilling game. The Lions get the win. They are 1-0. and And the Chiefs, yes, they were shorthanded, but still they were favored. And myself and most people out there still expected them to win. They could not get the job done. So congrats to you. Tip of the cap, my friend. Good call with the uh, Motor City Kitties finding a win in KC. What's the... Praise BK every so often, even a blind squirrel finds some nuts and cracks those nuts together and puts those nuts in their mouth, eats those nuts up and gets a nice little meal. That's kind of what happened yesterday. But I did have a feeling that Detroit, because they are this team for the last two years, has shown that they have this serious fight in them on top of the fact that KC has a couple of things working against them right now on that roster, that there was an opportunity there. And sure enough, that defense for the Lions was feisty and opportunistic, by the way. And the offense did enough. Man, Amara Ross St. Brown is good. I don't mm -hmm. remember if it was with you or somebody else this week, but I was uh, definitely showering him with praise. I mean, you look at the numbers, and he is legitimately a top three wide receiver over the last couple of years. But uh, the, the uh, Lions are a team to be reckoned with this year. 
but we're not sleeping on the Chiefs, obviously. I mean, they still almost pulled that one off, despite the fact that they were playing without Chris Jones. Defensive line still looked really good for them, by the way. And also without Travis Kelsey. They got production from the tight end, BK. But unfortunately, that receiver crew left a lot to be desired, specifically a dude that a lot of people looked at as a potential number one wideout for them this year in Kadarius Toney who had a serious issue with the dropsies last night. Oh, yeah, you talk about the things that were going against Kansas City. The biggest thing going against them last night was the fact that Kadarius Toney bet on the Lions' money line. I and mean, that's clear. That guy was point-shaving last night. I mean, he literally he literally threw an interception. Like, Patrick Mahomes is going to have an interception on his ledger because of that pick six, but that ball, I mean, it was in both of Tony's hands. Like, he threw that to Brian Branch. For that pick six, he was awful last night, dude. I'm telling you, the NFL needs to investigate that guy to see if he was betting on the Lions because that was ridiculously bad. Can we check to see if the refs last night were betting on the Chiefs? Because how many times were they going to let that right tackle, one, line up off the line of scrimmage, but two, get a serious head start on the snap? That was insane how it kept happening over and over again, and it didn't get called once. Yeah, it got called at the very end, though. Remember that? I yeah, like on, on the Chiefs' final drive, I think. Because you're right, Jawan Taylor, their big free agency pickup from Jacksonville, he was doing that all night long like Lionel Richie, and they didn't call it until the very, very end in a huge spot. It was like 4th and 20 when the Chiefs, for some reason, went for it. On 4th and 20 with 2.10 left, the two-minute warning and three timeouts, they decided to go for it, and then that made it 4th and 25, and they still decided to go for it. So, yeah, that was that was interesting. But I'll put on my Chief supporter hat here because, you know, I am a Chief supporter from Overland Park, Kansas, so I, I support Kansas City. Um, he's not the only guy that does that. David Bakhtiari in Green Bay, one of the best tackles in the league for the last decade or so, he, he does the exact same thing where he starts that far off the line and it literally looks like he is false starting on every single play. And they could, probably could call it on every single play, but somehow, some way they just let him get away with it. That's kind of what Jawan Taylor was doing last night. So I, I don't know. It doesn't make sense. Like it, it should be a false start, but there are a couple of guys that somehow, some way just have the refs in their pocket. Maybe it's a couple of teams that have the refs in the pocket to where they're just like, ah, you know, we, we, we don't care about it. You can get a quarter second head start and we're just going to let it go. Yeah, J.J. Watt was commenting it on Twitter, uh, commenting about it on Twitter last night about how common that is throughout the league. By the way, that is a dude that I'm really looking forward to seeing what he has to say this year. He's shown some real personality on Twitter over the last few years when he was still an active player. So now that he can really let loose and say what he wants to and not have to worry about any repercussions, I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Just add him to the mix of former players who are super entertaining. I don't think he's actually going to be calling games this year, but as a part of a studio show. Yeah. JJ Watt. Yeah. Great personality. And yeah, he should be a, a lot of fun to listen to this year. But... Huh? Did I say JJ Reddick? No. Do you want to talk about JJ Reddick? No, I was just making sure it's, it, there's been a lot of words said over the last uh, five plus hours at this point. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if I made that faux pas. Do you know what day it is? <laughs> Just barely. Thank God. <laughs> Only because I've been talking about it with somebody else for the last uh, couple hours. 
It is Friday, my friend. There we go. It is Friday. The football weekend is officially upon us. Plenty of good college football games that we're going to talk about throughout today's show. But, of course, the biggest one, the one that we care about the most and the one that we know y'all care about the most, the tilt in Tuscaloosa tomorrow night. Number 11, Texas at number three, Alabama. The Crimson Tide, a seven-and-a-half point favorite as we sit, uh, what, just under 36 hours away from kickoff. Let's start with Nick Satan. Let's hear from the Alabama head coach. He had his second press conference of the week a couple of days ago. And we'll start with Nick Saban's diagnosis of the Texas offense. Trey, I'm going to ask you if this is just coach speak or if you think Nick Saban and his dissection of what Texas does offensively is accurate. Hold on. Let me click something here. Take a listen. Well, you know, first of all, they got a really, really good scheme in terms of, you know, the way they try to run the ball. They try to try to formation, you know, the motions that they use, the formations that they use. And, you know, their offensive line does a good job of getting a hat on a hat. Uh, they're big. Uh, they can play physical. They're athletic. Uh, they're pretty good pass blockers. Um, so they're just a good all-around group, and they have plenty of experience. So, um, you know, I, I think this is one of the best, better offensive teams personnel-wise and scheme-wise uh, and the way they're coached to play and execute uh, of anyone that, you know, we'll see this year. Go front here with Kenny. I think you got a little bit of coach speak in there, but you also got some truth too, because Sark is an excellent schemer and he does a great job of using motion to set up plays, but also to help his quarterback and the other positions on the field understand what the opposition is doing too. Are they good at protecting the quarterback right now? No, not particularly. Maybe that improves with a lineup change. Hudson going in for DJ Campbell tomorrow night, but they can get physical at times. We saw a Texas offensive line that liked getting physical and getting that good push for their running backs last season. I think that is maybe something that's still a work in progress this year, even though you do have all five starters returning plus better depth at this point. But yeah, I, I don't think that he was giving just a complete coach speak answer there. How about you? Yeah, it, it, it's funny because to me, it felt like robot Nick Saban kicked in there towards the very end. And at first he's like, oh, this is one of the best. And then the robot's like, nope, too positive, too much credit. Slow down a little bit. This is one of the better offenses. And then I felt like Saban was about to say in all of college football. And then the robot kicks in again and is like, no, 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 no. That's too much praise. We can't do that. Hold on here. And he's like, one of the better offenses that we're going to go up against this season. And it's like, wow, thanks, Saban. A uh, whole lot of credit there. One of the better offenses you're going to go up against this season. Uh, that's that's true. Um, but we're obviously hoping it's it's more than just that. So I thought that was pretty funny. It's like I thought Saban was about to start that final stanza with this is one of the best offenses in all of college football, and then he ends up pivoting to ah, oh, this is one of the better offenses that we're going to see in 2023. Uh, the rest of his diagnosis, though, I mean, it's it's fair, it's accurate. The offensive line last week did not do a good job of getting a hat on somebody. That's well documented. We've talked about that a lot throughout the week here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. The offensive line was not good enough against Rice. But 
Last year, you know, Saban watched his film, not just of the previous week. I'm sure he went back and watched the Bama game in Austin last year and went back and watched a number of the Texas out or the number of the Texas games in 2022. For the most part, last year, Texas's offensive line did do a good job of that and they did play pretty, pretty well. And yeah, they've got some skill position talent. They've obviously recruited at a high level. There are some dudes on that side of the football. So, of course, I think Nick Saban would say positive things about any team that he's going up against. I'm sure he said something similar to that when talking about Middle Tennessee State last week. This one actually holds some water, though, because, you know, Texas's offense is really, really good, and we hope they put on a really, really good performance tomorrow night. I don't know why. Maybe it's the bias kicking in, but I feel as confident about Texas winning this game tomorrow night as I have all week long, BK. I think they get some of those things on offense cleaned up. It's not to say it's going to be – an easy night for them. Alabama is going to make things difficult, but I think they hit on some of those open plays that they weren't capitalizing on against Rice while the defense does a good job of stifling the Alabama offense. I have Texas winning this by, brace yourselves, by more than a touchdown right now. Maybe creeping into double-digit land or at least two-score land. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. So you and I are trending in opposite directions, my friend. Because at the start of the week, I was very close to saying I was going to pick Texas to go into Tuscaloosa and slay the dragon that is Alabama. And progressively, I have regressed and have gotten and felt worse about Texas's chances. Like, I'm on the exact opposite end of the spectrum right now. But uh, I'm starting to feel like Alabama is going to win this game by multiple scores, by double digits. And I don't think it's going to be a blowout. But I am worried that we're not going to be talking about a game-winning field goal type of situation like we were last year. I think Bama's going to have this game in hand with a few minutes left. And goes without saying, I hope I'm wrong. But, yeah, I have uh, progressively felt worse about this thing throughout the course of the week. Needless to say, as you respond to that, and look, you're taking the rational viewpoint here. People are weighing in in droves, upset with me for even suggesting something so foolish as to potentially jinx the likelihood that Texas beats Alabama by more than a touchdown tomorrow night. Yeah, like it'll be your fault if Texas doesn't win this game tomorrow, Trey. Remember that. Uh, You know, I'll take some of the blame. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure uh, most Texas fans will be blaming you and not Sark and not Quinn Ewers, right? They won't be be saying that, ah, now we need a new – Midday host on Texas Sports Unfiltered. That will turn Texas around. Well, you know, fans and how rational they are at the ends of losses. So there there may very well be some of that. But no, Sark and I'm sure Quinn Ewers and plenty of other people will uh, will be facing the ire of upset fans. But here's the thing, though. If Texas plays a close game and it's one where, like, last year they had a chance to win it and they come up just short, then it turns into one of those silver lining losses for fans right now because nobody realizes that you were slated to lose this game by Vegas. Like Vegas has Bama as still around seven point favorites. I don't know if that's gone up or down by half a point right now, but Vegas thinks Bama is going to win this game by a touchdown. So if you can keep it within a point, two points, maybe three points, what's the saying BK good teams win great teams cover. No, nope. Texas is a great team in that scenario, right? 
That's not how it works. It only works if you win and cover. You're not a great team if you lose but cover. You're a great team if you win and cover. Come on, man. God, if Texas loses by three and I see Texas fans tweeting that out on Saturday night, I'm going to lose my mind. I might get suspended by Elon on X because I'll freak out. Spoiler alerts. That's going to be my tweet to try and help Longhorn fans cope with the three-point loss. Dude, I, I can't do another moral victory, man. I can't do another silver lining, man. Like, I'll be honest with you, Trey. I will be in a state of Texas football depression from late Saturday night until the first SEC game Texas plays next year if they don't win on Saturday. Like, this team could go out and win the Big 12. And, look, I'll be excited. I'll be pumped. That's awesome. Winning the league for the first time since 09. Winning the league on your way out the door, that's a huge step in the right direction for Texas. But because this Big 12 sucks, and because there's nobody in this league this year that's as good as that team that we're going to see tomorrow night, there's still going to be that seed of doubt. Maybe it's a few seeds of doubt that we're, we're just not ready for that league. If we win this game, I'm not going to sit like we can't lose out and just F everything up in the Big 12 because that's obviously going to shatter my confidence too. But like this, I'm putting so much stock and so much weight into this game, probably unnecessarily. But like I am going to be in a state of football depression and I'll have some anxiety just worried about this move to the SEC and just pissed that we couldn't in this final opportunity before actually making the jump to the conference prove that we are good enough to beat this SEC team that we're going to have to beat, by the way, we're going to like, this is not the only time we're going to play Alabama in the next few years. There are going to be years where this game will determine who represents whatever division or however the hell the SEC works in the SEC championship game. Like this, this type of game is what Texas is going to be a part of not just once a year, but maybe a few times a year moving forward. They have to show the ability like a one-point loss, I get it, that's covering, and you could say that, no, nah, they look good. They hung with Alabama. They only lost by one to three on the road in their house. I like The standings, they don't care about that type of stuff. The conference standings don't care about how much you lose by. They just care if you won or if you lost. And if Texas loses this game on Saturday, man, I'm telling you, I'm going to be just in this state of misery for a long time until we get another opportunity to play an SEC team. Look, ultimately, I am with you. But the reason why I brought that up is because fans can be super irrational and we'll get less of that if Texas is able to keep it close. And it unfortunately turns out like last year, but like you and many people who are weighing in right now, I'm done with the fucking moral victories too. I forget. Yeah. CB just put this out there. Moral victories are for Aggies. I completely agree with that statement. Like, is it promising for what they can accomplish the rest of the year if they lose this game but lose close versus getting blown out? Sure. But it's still a freaking loss at the end of the day. And it's a loss against a future opponent who has dominated college football for the better part of, what, 14 years now. And you have an opportunity in front of you at their house to catch them while they're a little bit down. While your roster, according to many, is as good as it's been since the last time you made it to a national championship game. So, yeah, you need to take advantage of that. Yeah, look, it, and, it, and it goes both ways, right? I mean, this is the best Texas roster that we've seen since 2009. This might be the worst Alabama roster that we've seen since before then, right? I mean, Alabama started the year number four. <laughs> 
That's the lowest they've been ranked going into a season since 2009. Must be nice, right? And it's crazy. Like a, a bad season for Nick Saban is, you know, 10 or 11 wins. That's the best year Texas has had since then. So, like, if it can't happen this year, how am I supposed to feel confident that it's, I don't want to say ever going to happen. That's obviously hyperbole. But as long as Nick Saban's there, how am I supposed to feel confident that Texas is going to beat Alabama in the next five, 10 years? You know, like the best team we've had, the worst team they've had. And I agree, like they're still really, really good. They're number three in the country and they should be good. And they're, they're a top five or six most talented roster in college football. But this, they've got more questions about this Alabama team now than they've had at any point over the last 15 or so years. And you have less questions about your team than you've had at any point over the last 15 years. If, if you can't win this game, I just I don't know how we're supposed to feel confident that Texas is going to beat the biggest. of. I'm not worried about Vanderbilt or Kentucky or Mississippi or Mississippi State. Like, we'll hold our own against those teams just fine. But the Alabamas, the LSUs, the Georgias, obviously, like Tennessee even, I'll throw them in the mix because it feels like they've got things figured out. I just, this is the chance, man. This is the last opportunity, and maybe we'll see an SEC team in a bowl game, but this is the last real opportunity that Texas has to prove to me and to prove to everybody that, no, not only are they going to be okay in the SEC, but they actually have a chance to compete early on in the SEC. Yep. How about this comment from Billy right here? This is maybe a predicament, but it seems like a pretty easy solution to me. My nephew scheduled a wedding in Kansas City. First off, shame on your nephew scheduling a wedding the second week of college football, the first week of the NFL. He looks up to me like a father figure. Think it's acceptable to skip the reception or watch on my phone and ignore everyone. Because he is that important to you, Billy, you need to be at the reception. But anybody who comes up to you and sees you looking at that phone or maybe there's a television at the bar or something and sees how distracted you are because it is Texas and Alabama, they need to understand exactly what's happening right there too. And just make sure that you are going above and beyond pregame and at halftime too. And I think you'll be good. Well, Billy said that the nephew looks up to him as a father figure, but do we know how Billy feels about the nephew? And maybe Billy hates the kid. And if that's the case, then I don't think you can feel bad about missing that at all. You don't hate the kid now, Billy. Maybe you should hate the kid for scheduling a wedding during Texas, Alabama. I mean, come on, man. What are we doing here? At the very least, even if you look at him like a son, you need to hold this over his head for at least a decade afterwards that he would have the gall to schedule the wedding right freaking now. Mm. Probably can't skip, though. No, Probably have to go. Can't Just re- reenact that uh, Allstate commercial. You know, the mayhem commercial where the guy falls down and then pulls down the entire awning of the wedding and just destroys everything. Maybe that'll be Billy on uh, on Saturday night. Well, that is, uh, yeah, you, you jam a tire iron into the spokes of a bike and the bike flips over. All of a sudden, you're no longer having to worry about the bike ride. So go for it. That's how it works. That is how it works. I think that was Socrates who uh, who said what you just said, Trey. Hey, I see him now on the screen. Our buddy from Texas Sports Unfiltered, and also from Horns 24-7. Joining us this morning to continue our preview of Texas and Alabama, the great Jeff Howe is with us now. What's up, Jeff? Morning, sirs. Looking forward to joining the uh, Diarrhea Roundtable here. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, do you have any diarrhea takes before we uh, get into this game tomorrow night? You know, I, I, I'm not a fan of diarrhea. I don't think any of us are. But I'll echo what the great Kevin Dunn said yesterday. Trey, that, uh, that afternoon program, first about 30 minutes of that, just pure gold yesterday. I hope that as long as I roam this mortal earth when I'm 70, 80, and decrepit, I hope farts and scat are still funny. Yeah, I think they will be. At least for me, uh, kicks to the balls too. As long, yes, very much so. Yes. Another thing to throw into that category, also, gosh, this could be a a power rankings here. Is people who are trying to eat things that are too hot for their palate, but insist that they can deal with it. Yeah, like something that I will always be amused by that level of arrogance. Yeah, kicks in the nuts are always. Gosh, it's hilarious. My wife says she's like, I swear you're 13. I was like, well, you know, you married me, so good. This is how I am at 40. Imagine how I'm going to be at 50 just when as my mind starts to slowly fade. It's it's ingrained in our nature, guys. My son, when he was three or four years old, I took I took a nut shot. He was cracking up. And by the way, if you look at video of chimpanzees in the wild, when a chimp gets hit in the balls, all the other chimps will sit there and laugh at their bonobo brother. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> our, it's literally ingrained in who we are. By the way, Trey, my, my wife loves the fact that uh, I've convinced my five-year-old daughter that toots are funny. And she lets people know that toots are funny. So my wife appreciates Sarah, that. Unlike what Bucky likes to say, where women don't fart, they break winds. Women definitely fart. I've got a nine-year-old daughter that proves as much on a daily basis. And I will I will back you guys up uh, on the fact that women's bathrooms at clubs and bars are probably more disgusting than the guys' bathrooms. I've heard horror stories. Like, it sounds like, you know, nom is going on in there or something. I don't know what, I don't know what you ladies are doing in there, but it's stuff that, like, just turns my stomach. It's like, oh, yeah, I saw that in the bathroom. Like, good Lord, the hell's going on in there? like a bunch of savages how is that possible go to the bathroom together just to uh to chit chat or to gossip no apparently they're just completely wrecking shop it's like oh yeah somebody was hovered over the sink taking a piss like what no y'all think we're weird for using the trough like at least we're not hovering over the sink and you guys don't do that acting like it's just another tuesday yeah well if the urinals are full you got to go somewhere either the sink or in the corner it's what they made beer bottles for, BK. That's true. I'm a fan of the trough, by the way. You get some nice ice to uh, wash your hands with after <laughs> after using. That's that's a good bit right there. Try to shrink the ice cubes. Yeah, it's a good it's a good bit. <laughs> oh man! All right, Jeff. That's uh, that, this is why we brought Jeff on. I think actually for 15 minutes of uh, of this type of conversation. As I, as I drink from my Alamo Bowl cup, check that out. Look at that. Oh yeah. God! Please put yeah. that away. That this is this is actually the TCU Oregon uh, Alamo Bowl. So we're we're good on that. Oh my God! Yeah. Now that's everyone's sitting here like, oh, it'd be so fitting for Texas to win the Big 12 on the way out the door, and I'm sitting here like, shit, it'd be fitting for us to be playing in the Alamo Bowl for the 18th time at the end of this year against Oregon State or something. <laughs> yeah. Just trying to think of fill in nondescript Pac-12 program to come take a vacation to San Antonio. Yeah. You guys remember when Tyler Huntley said that a few years ago when Utah was here? Well, we treated it like a vacation, but that was your first mistake. Yeah, Thinking you're going on a vacation to San Antonio. No offense, my people in the Alamo City. Your city's overrated, but he he didn't jump in the water, uh, did he? <laughs> 
Uh, they drank the water apparently from that river walk because they they played like garbage that night in the Alamo Dome. <laughs> I loved Tyler Huntley saying that after the fact too, because that was a better Utah team than what they showed. And look, Texas was on their A game that night, but that that Utah team completely sucked that night too. Yeah, it's well, you know, Texas was on top of their game. It's like one member of the Texas staff told me a couple days before the game. He's uh, in quote, "Look, we're not playing in the." gd weed eater bowl this is a real team we're playing here i was like well okay at least at least it sounds like you're in the right frame of mind so yeah hey speaking of frame of mind jeff you were there yesterday steve sarkisian met with the media for the final time before tomorrow night's game in tuscaloosa what like just you were there i mean i heard it i watched the press conference but what's the aura what's the mindset around sark right now like i felt like during his time at texas and also going back to his USC and Washington days that sometimes the, the pressure of the moment can get to him and he looks a little stressed. And I don't know if the team senses that and plays a little uneasy because of that, but does Sark feel uptight? Does he seem nervous? Does he seem relaxed? You know, what was your sense of being in the same room as him yesterday? Uh, well, it was a zoom call yesterday. So it was, uh, there was, that. Do I know? You, you know, but you know, you know, you can read, you can read Sark's body language. I think at this point, if you're around him long enough, you kind of get a good feel for it. I, I, I don't know if I'd say uptight, uh, but I think sometimes for him, that focus, that laser focus, I think it can almost turn into paralysis by analysis. And, and that's kind of why I asked him the question that I asked him at, at the end of the uh, availability about, you know, how much Kevin Steele film do you know? Do you go back and watch? Because you know when you're when you're game planning against the defense, like right, Sark knows Alabama's defense. Right? But he, he's got to know Kevin Steele has to know his tendencies. How much you know, Auburn film does he go back and watch? Does he pull up Miami stuff? And he talked about. It. He said, you know, I don't have very many hobbies, so he's like, I'll, I'll look at stuff like that in the summertime for film. But I think at that point you can almost overload yourself with information, and then it gets time to it gets down to crunch time. You're like, okay, I got to build out a call sheet. What actually is going to go on here? I, I do think that Sark can suffer a little bit from some stuff like that. I, I think that it's in general, that's a lot of play callers period. Um, so I, I think he can drift into that area. BK, that's what I worry about. What I don't worry about with Sark is just the, the over the, the confidence turning into overconfidence internally. And then externally it comes, ter, turns into cockiness. I always go back to that 2019 Texas, Oklahoma game. Like when Tom Herman shows up for the Monday press conference and like, the chest is puffed out, and then you've got Sam Cosme and B.J. Foster giving us soundbite after soundbite after soundbite. And we saw how, what happened on the field, and it's like, okay, you guys were way too overconfident. I haven't gotten that vibe from Sark, but I do think, again, that paralysis by analysis deal, I do think there is something to that. Didn't the UT social media do something early that week also that was frustrating? They put like a video out that was like, like mildly disparaging to our I, own. Brand. I want to say it was like a a reverse mirror image of maybe Sam Cosme with his hoodie on, and I think they put it unintentionally had the the steer logo with the horns down, and I think that made it in there. It was like on a hoodie or a pair of shorts or something. I forget, but yeah, yeah that, that entire week, even as a Longhorn fan, I could feel a loss coming because of how they were conducting themselves. Uh, Jeff, as far as the game tomorrow night goes. So many intriguing storylines, and I'm just fascinated to see what each defense does to try and slow the opposing offense down. But obviously, if you are Steve Sarkeesian, Nick Saban, Tommy Reese, you're looking at potential holes to expose on the other side of the ball. 
So what do you think that hole is for each of these defenses tomorrow night? If I'm Texas, uh, I, I try to te test Alabama's secondary. Because that was a secondary that even with Kool-Aid McKinstry and Terry and Arnold, that was a secondary that struggled last year in Austin, at least while Quinn Ewers was in the game. And if I'm Sark, I just kind of trust that, look, my receivers are better than your DBs, and I'm going to take my shots, and I'm going to try to confuse you with uh, you know, all the various in-breaking routes that you can run in his offense. Uh, you know, that The intermediate game, I think, needs to be a really big part of the game plan tomorrow night because that's when you can get you know, a lot of your switch routes, your mesh concepts can be that intermediate game. And, and put this Alabama secondary to the test. See if they can cover you. Caleb Downs at safety. He's going to be a great player by the time he leaves Tuscaloosa. But in his second game, yeah, I want to see if this young cat can cover. I want to see what he can digest. So if I'm Sark, I just kind of do what I do and see what you can dial up and maybe try to definitely try to get the early lead. There's going to be some, there's going to be a couple things in an opening script that we didn't see last week. Maybe some stuff we didn't see last year that we haven't seen at all from Sark or some stuff that you can tell early on Sark's going to try to go for the kill shot and, and attack a guy like Caleb Downs and see what that young guy can do. To me, there's two specific areas of the Texas defense you can target uh, that I'm thinking about. One is, we saw it last week with Rice. You can target David Benda. You can do that. Um, the other one is the field corner, whether it's Terrence Brooks or you know if Malik Muhammad's in there at the field corner or it's Gavin Holmes. Uh, if I, I would much rather, if I'm Tommy Reese, I'd much rather take my chances going at that field corner than I would going at Ryan Watts. But then, Trey, that's when you get into the minutia of like a guy like Isaiah Bond right, who's a speed guy, do you put a guy like Isaiah Bond, we, he can line up out wide, do you put him into the boundary and have him go against Ryan Watts because Isaiah Bond with that quickness, with that speed, that's the kind of matchup that can give Ryan Watts some issues. You know, it's hard to get a jam if the guy's running by you right off the snap. So that's when you kind of get into the, the little matchups and things like that. So I think for to attack Texas, it's the it's David Benda, it's the field corner. And I also think the edges too, that's really the one area where I'm most concerned uh, because Alabama's going to run some 12 personnel tomorrow with two tight ends. That's just that's kind of what Tommy Reese does. That's kind of what Alabama's done, even going back to when Sark was there. They ran a ton, even with as many good receivers as they had, great receivers as they had, they ran a lot of 12 personnel attacking the edges. Like, is Ethan Burke ready for that? Or, you know, do I think there's a decent chance we see a lot more of that bigger line where Ethan Burke comes out of the game and you'll bring in Alfred Collins, kick him out to a wider shade, so your wider shade's up front are going to be Collins and Sweat with Byron Murphy over the ball, and you keep Baron Sorrell on the field. I also go back to uh, where Texas can attack Alabama, and this is actually uh, my matchups to watch published on the site this morning. One of them is Jordan Whittington against Malachi Moore, or you can put in whoever you want at that star position. If Malachi Moore is playing, there's no way he's at 100%. So I would try to attack him. If he's out of the game, then it's Trey Amos, the Louisiana transfer, or it's, it's Earl Little Jr., uh, who's a redshirt freshman, and – you know, Earl Little was responsible for giving up a, a touchdown last week against Middle Tennessee. That star position, that nickel position at Alabama, that's one that if I'm Sark, I'm looking at that as whether it's a, a not 100% Malachi Moore or somebody else, I can I can go there. And that's say, hey, and then getting back into the matchups, right? Jordan Whittington's going to be in the slot. You can put Xavier Worthy there. Jatavian Sanders, we, you, you, we've seen Texas put him in the slot. So that I, that's why I love matchups like this because you can look, you know, kind of kind of macro and then really get granular with how deep these things can go well speaking of deep kind of following up on that jeff i mean you said it the bama secondary is a little bit banged up maybe it's a little bit questionable after a down 2022 season uh, i think every texas fan has heard the stat about the deep balls from quinn ewers last week against rice right oh for six on balls that travel 20 or more yards through the air 
know, Texas and Quinn Ewers had some success in the first quarter against Bama last year with those, maybe not deep shots, but at least, you know, deeper intermediate shots. Mm -hmm. They were kind of picking Alabama secondary apart early in that game. Are we going to see some deep shots from Sark? Does he have to avoid that? Is it going to be short intermediate? Is Texas going to go up tempo? You know, what, what do you expect the offensive game plan to sort of be from Texas tomorrow? And does it have to change because of Quinn Ewers' struggles on those deep balls? Did you, did you really ask me if Sark's going to take some deep shots? It's a, it's a bear crap in the woods. Good Lord. Uh, yeah. Yes. They're going to take, yeah, they're going to take some deep shots. Here's my thing with Texas, BK. I, if I'm Sark, and I, I go back to the bowl game against Washington, teams late in the year were willing to give Texas the short and intermediate game because they knew Sark wouldn't take it. And by, and by extension, they knew Quinn wouldn't take it. But we saw Quinn Ewers take the short game in that bowl game, and, and they started moving the ball. I just, it felt like they just tried to attack that part of Washington's defense too late. Had they gone to the intermediate game a little bit early, maybe the end of that game is a little more interesting than it was. But that's kind of where I look to. If I'm Alabama, I definitely want to protect against the deep shot because, granted, yeah, Quinn, you were struggling throwing them. But if they hit one, then you plant that seed of doubt into the defender's mind, and now you can come, you can keep coming back to it. And now, now that if that defender's second guessing himself, that's when you can get defensive holding, you can get pass interference calls if you hit one of those early. So I still think and. That to me has less to do with Quinn's accuracy on the deep ball than the capability of the Texas wide receivers. If I'm Nick Saban, that's really what I'm worried about. I, I know I'm facing a receiver group that can beat my guys one on one. But if if I'm Texas, if I'm Sark, if I'm Quinn, I'm looking at look if they if they guard against the deep ball, if they're going to play, if they're going to play high safeties and and kind of roll coverage backwards, uh, maybe play some quarters coverage or whatever they're going to do. I want to take I want to take the short game. I'm going to take the intermediate game. Take the throw that's there. Take what the defense gives you. It's going to be really hard to move the ball, you know, count on eight, nine, you know, double digit play drives, but you have to take what they give you. And, and, and as good as you are on special teams and as good as your defense is right now, man, don't be afraid to play a field position game and punt and try to pin them deep and see if you can flip the field. So, uh, yeah, they're going to take deep shots, but I, I that's what I want to see if they're going to take because I'm guaranteeing you. Alabama's going to be willing to give them the short game. Can they take it? And then maybe you stretch Bama like that by taking what they give you. Sark has said since Monday that CJ Baxter was back on the practice field by all accounts. That is the case. And he said that he is excited to see what CJ Baxter can do tomorrow night. How much CJ Baxter do you think we see on Saturday, Jeff, considering that he suffered, I don't know if it's a rib injury or a shoulder injury, what the exact injury was, but it knocked him out for the rest of that Rice game last weekend. I, I think you'll see a decent amount of him, but you know you'll also see Jonathan Brooks. And I, I mean, for for as little as he's used, Keelan Robinson's really effective. That's that's one of those X factor guys, and I, I think, and and probably because he had him on his roster. You know, you go back, and I'm talking about how Nick Saban would feel about Keelan Robinson. Like, go back to. I hate to bring it up, uh, but that that national championship game where Texas played Alabama. And to hear Nick Saban after the fact talk about, man, the two guys that he was most terrified of getting the ball in that game were Marquise Goodwin and DJ Monroe, guys that could touch it from anywhere on the field and score. But Keelan Robinson's one of those guys. So I think you'll definitely see him play more than you did last week. I, I think these two running back groups are pretty similar in that I don't, neither one of them has a, you know, a workhorse complete back. Like you look at the backs they've had in recent years, Texas doesn't have a B. John Robinson. And Alabama doesn't have a Najee Harris, but I think between the guys they do have, 
they've got enough guys who are they're versatile enough with the guys that they have that I think one of the things to watch is situationally what back does Bama have in the game? What back does Texas have in the game? Because you look at Bama, right? Like Roydell Williams at you know, 215 is going to be your guy that thumps between the tackles. Jace McClellan is going to be your speed guy. Uh, we haven't seen much of, of Jamarian Miller. Uh, you know, what do the two freshmen do? You know, with Texas, Jonathan Brooks is kind of your more complete guy. Keelan Robinson's your speed guy. Uh, haven't seen a ton of Cedric Baxter. Was, I, I like what Jaden Blue gave them last week. I don't know if he can do that this week, maximize runs against Alabama. But so I guess long answer, Trey. Yeah, you'll, you'll see a lot of those running backs. I just – not just because of the injury to to CJ Baxter, but I just hope because of his ability, you're going to need some chunk. You're, you can't win this game without getting some chunk yardage plays. I need to see some Keelan Robinson on the field and, and using him in some of the ways you used him last year. I think I think I feel like he proved himself to be reliable enough as a receiver that you can do things other than kind of play action him and use him on that wheel or that rail where he's kind of kind of sneak out and get wide open on people. You put him in the slot, move him around and do some different things. That's again, that's something we really haven't seen them do with him. That's one of those wrinkles that Sark could throw out there. Kind of like that idea. Jeff Howe, Horns 24-7 and Texas Sports Unfiltered with us here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. Man, you know, C.J. Baxter obviously was a guy that Texas fans were talking about a lot during the offseason. Another newcomer that Texas fans, myself included, were talking about a lot in the offseason, Jalen Catalan. Uh, didn't see much of him against Rice. You know, you guys at Horns 24-7 were reporting throughout fall camp that it was every other day for Jalen Catalan in terms of contact during fall practice. This, to me, I mean, it, this is the moment, right? Jalen Catalan burst on the scene. Yep. At Arkansas in the SEC, was an all-conference player as a freshman. I think everybody knows about the injuries he sustained the last couple of years. Will we see more Jalen Catalan on Saturday? And kind of what do you expect his role in this defense to be? Yeah, you'll you'll definitely see him. I I think he's going to be one of the guys. You know, you you've got to spy Jalen Milrow. You've got to shadow him, but you can't do it with like this. You can't assign just one guy to him and have that guy do it the whole game. All right, this isn't Madden where you can do that. It's got to be between whatever whatever you're disguising within your blitz packages, your your, your shells in terms of coverages. It's got to be different guys. I think Catalan's going to be one of those guys because you look at that that role he played at Arkansas. You know, in that Barry Odom three safety defense as the middle safety. That's uh, the middle safety doesn't really function as a spy, but the skill set that that middle safety needs, he almost does. He, he, you see how that could translate into being a spy. You know, he's got to be instinctive. He's got to be able to see it develop in front of him. He's got to be able to fit the run correctly. Uh, so I think Catalan could do that. I, I think you'll see Jaday Barron also have some responsibilities with the spy. I think for a big chunk of the time, it's going to be Jalen Ford. And I, I'm fascinated to see that matchup. You look at, you know, you go back to last year, whether it was Frank Harris at UTSA, uh, Spencer Sanders at Oklahoma State, uh, even Adrian Martinez at K-State. When Texas faced a dual-threat quarterback, that defense was much better handling that quarterback when Jalen Ford was playing really well. Like Jalen Ford had one of his worst games last year against Oklahoma State. That defense struggled mightily, so you're going to need a really big game from Jalen Ford defending the quarterback. But to go back to Catalan, BK, I, I think the, the luxury you have with those two safeties, with Jaron Thompson and Catalan, they can both play the field side. They can both play the boundary side. They're both capable. And I, I don't know how much nickel Jalen Catalan has worked. I don't know how much he's worked at that star. We know Jaron Thompson has played at that star position. So between those two guys, Jade Barron, you've got enough versatility with those three guys to be able to do some different things. And we've seen Texas try a little bit of the three safety stuff. I don't know if this is a game where you want to try to roll that out. Maybe it's something they've been saving, but 
I, I wouldn't be completely shocked if we saw maybe, you know, a handful of snaps where they had three safeties on the field. Because honestly, man, going back to the to the edge concern that we had, if you've got to start pulling defenders on the field and if you're PK, you just got to ask yourself, okay, who are my best 11? Man, Keaton Crawford's probably going to be in that discussion. You know, or maybe I don't know if you want to throw a young cat like Derek Williams into the game, but your safety position, you're deep and you're talented. So maybe the answer to to helping set the edge a little bit better is maybe just putting an extra safety into the game. So that's another that's another thing I think to keep an eye on. Boy, that's an interesting thought there. I almost have more faith in Derek Williams, as weird as that is to say, because he's one game is into his college career mm-hmm. than I am Keaton Crawford. But I also saw Keaton Crawford not really know what he was doing out there at safety last year. He's had an entire offseason to yeah continue to learn that position and obviously he's behind guys who really know what they're doing too maybe michael taff makes an appearance at times knows he's not the most athletic dude but he knows what is going on out there he understands the plays and what his responsibility is you know it's interesting you mentioned jalen ford doing a lot of spying on milrow on the one hand i like that idea because i think if this texas defense shows out like we know it's capable of tomorrow night jalen ford has a huge game So part of that might be spying, but he's good at so many other facets of playing that position, including in coverage, that it worries me that we're relying on other guys to take care of important responsibilities, like covering Alabama's talented tight ends and putting that on somebody like a David Benda, where inevitably you are going to see some shortcomings. Yeah, that's where you got to mix it up, Trey. That's that's where your your line of thinking is right, because I think some people might just look at it and say, okay, well, this guy's going to spy the quarterback. Yeah, well, when you start doing that, if you're an if you're an offensive coordinator worth your salt, now you're going to figure out, okay, I'm, I'm just going to go attack David Benda. Like, as good of a story as David Benda is, David Benda one-on-one with, like, Amari Nyblack down the seam is, like, it just – it's all – Going back to what you guys talked about at the top, it's almost diarrhea inducing. Like it just turns your stomach a little bit. Like, I hope that's not a matchup you get all night. Um, so yeah, it's gonna be different, guys. The other guy, we talk about those linebackers. How do they use Anthony Hill? Like they we we saw a little bit of it last week, them putting him on the edge and letting him rush the passer. Uh, I've gotta feel I gotta I gotta believe that, that PK's got some blitz packages or just some pressure packages, period, where you're gonna be able to cut. Anthony Hill losing and, and I'll say this about Jalen Miller like we we worry about him in terms of and being the royal we we worry about him as far as his legs go being a, a run threat but as a passer we haven't seen a whole lot of Jalen Milrow like going through progressions and you know being a progression passer as a matter of fact you know talking to enough Alabama people man if he's and, and even you can go back and watch some of that A&M game last year that Alabama almost lost if he's got to come off of his first read, like it, it can get jumbled up for them really quick. So uh, if I'm PK, again, I, tr- I try to force the issue. I'm like, make this guy come off his second read. Maybe there's times where you simulate pressure. Maybe it looks like you're going to bring five or six, and then you drop some guys, and now he's got to come off his read. And if you hold the ball too long, yeah, Alabama's offensive line, they're big, they're talented, so is your defensive line. That's going to uh-huh. give Sweat or Collins or Murphy enough time to get to the quarterback. So I, I think um, – yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I want to see how they use Anthony Hill, but again, what different kind of looks does PK throw at Jalen Milrow to take advantage of the fact that hey, I, I think this guy's still a single read passer? Let's let's see if he's grown a little bit, and if not, then now you know you can you, you've got an advantage on the guy. Uh, Jeff, I pulled up your article that you referenced from Horns twenty four seven. Your five key matchups to watch, and we talked a little bit about the offensive line earlier. 
Um, but you mentioned that that's uh, one of your top matchups there. What's the uh, what's the guard situation going to look like? Like going into the Rice game, you know, Stark was telling us that we were going to see a rotation at right guard with DJ Campbell and Cole Hudson. Hudson didn't play. We find out that he was hurt, and DJ Campbell gets hurt. You know, what what does the offensive line look like? Do we expect to see some rotating there, or is it just hey, the five starters are going to go because this is Alabama? I, I want to say you'll see rotate, you know, guys rotating, but you know, Kyle Flood, he typically doesn't rotate a lot of guys. And I, I think some O line coaches are really hesitant to start, especially on the road, just to start rolling different guys in there, because uh, now you got to worry about cadence and communication and all the different kind of stuff we talk about with offensive linemen. I think you'll see Cole Hudson probably start the game. It, it sounded earlier this week like that's where it was trending at. You know, as of probably Wednesday, I didn't think DJ Campbell was out of that mix, but I think you'll probably see Cole Hudson start the game. You'll see DJ Campbell. The the thing on the interior that I'm and I mentioned this a little bit in there, BK. The the thing on the interior that I'm I, I want to take a look at. How much do we see Nato Amezulu get in there in place of Hayden Connor? Because that's kind of the, one of the things that I've heard through the grapevine this week is I know we look at that right guard, but maybe I don't know that I don't know that that staff was happy with anybody on the interior last week when they went back and watched the film. You know, do we see a little bit of seventy two in there for Hayden Connor at left guard? And that's one of those deals, man. If if Nato Mayazulu gets in the game and plays well, is that now a position battle that we've kind of got to watch through the rest of the year, at least to the midpoint of the year, to see if the young guy can take the the older guy's job? So. Uh, not just that right guard. You'll, I think you'll see both guys, but I, I do think you're, you'll see Nato Mayazulu in at that left guard also. Mm. Trey, you're muted. Let me unmute my mic there. BK, any other questions? <laughs> uh, otherwise, the only other question I have for Jeff is a game prediction from him. Take it away. All right, Jeff. Uh, we're all excited. It's a little bit more than 24 hours away now. Where are you at? What do you think happens between Texas and Alabama tomorrow night? Uh, I want to pick Texas. Everything in my gut is telling me, man, pick Texas. I, I I don't know that Texas is the better team, but I kind of like some of the matchups in this thing that favorite Texas. But there's three pieces of key advice I follow in life. One was given to me by my late Nana. You know, anytime you're going on a road trip, always pack more underwear than you think you need. <laughs> never be left wanting for underwear. The second piece of advice was from my dad. Never trust a man who voluntarily wears a tie to work just not trustworthy and the third piece of advice is my own don't pick against nick saban in home games mm. yep close game at least yeah yeah i think okay. I, I think it's a, i think it's gonna be a competitive game i could see either one of these teams pulling away like i don't think trey's not that far off with te maybe texas winning by double digits i wouldn't shock me if alabama did either win this game by more than a touchdown i don't i don't think it's coming down to a field goal i think this will be a competitive game but i think at some point one of these two teams is pulling away mm -hmm. and who knows maybe maybe that would have been texas last year the x factor at the end of the day was bryce young alabama just yeah. had not only did you have the better quarterback you had one of the best players in the country with his hands on the football every play yeah. so i don't know if you have that in this game but Man, if we've seen it, if Quinn Ewers gets hot and the entire menu is open to Sark, dude, this this offense is really, really hard to beat. Mm. Advice from Jeff Howe. Bring underwear for other passengers on Delta Airlines. Number two, Jack Del Rio's a shitty coach because he wore a tie on the sidelines voluntarily. Number three, don't bet against Alabama at home.
There weren't enough underwear in the world to save that Delta passenger. <laughs> no, diapers couldn't have uh, couldn't have saved. You that needed poor like woman. I don't know, manufacture a trash bag or something. Oh, gross! Jeff. It looked like it looked like Andre the Giant had like some bad migas that morning in the airport oh. lounge. Like that's what it looked like, man. I was gonna give you like a nice <laughs> outro here. Now I just want to kick you off the screen for. <laughs> For that one, you're the man, brother. We appreciate you. We'll be locked into horns 24 seven, and uh, obviously, we'll we'll talk to you and we'll hear from you on this channel next week. Thanks, guys. Uh, there he goes, the great Jeff Howe. Make sure y'all follow him on Twitter at Jeff Howe 24 seven. Of course, subscribe to Horns 24 seven if you haven't yet. Uh, Jeff's there, Chips there. They've got tons of great content on site all of the time. Jeff Howe taking Alabama. Who would do that? I, yeah, a lot of people. I am a staunch believer in his two first two pieces of advice. I notoriously pack double the amount of underwear that I probably need for vacations. Because you never know. Sometimes you need to change underwear a couple times in the day. Not to say that you're shitting yourself, but you always want to have that extra underwear. And then, yes, I am... I don't even like wearing pants if I don't have to, BK. I mean, I wore jeans to our photo shoot last Sunday morning. Everybody else showed up in shorts. I was so pissed with myself for making an assumption versus just asking. But yeah, the tie thing, even if I'm in a situation where I'm wearing a tie, like a, I don't know, wedding or a funeral or something, as soon as we get to the reception or the memorial afterwards, that tie is off, man. It's I think Kevin described it one time as, me going uh, Raleigh Massimino, just yanking that tie off as it's getting it to a tight point in the ball game, or you're getting too pissed off at the refs. You tie it around your head and take your talents to the dance floor. Was that your move? Were you that guy? Absolutely not. My talent <laughs> on the dance floor is doing is turning every song into the ch- chubby t- checker twist in terms of what I'm doing. Yeah, mm. I'm that guy. That does not include the the tie being worn like a like a sweatband on top of my head. Let me ask you this. Are you wearing pants to our event at Covert Bee Cave a little bit later today? No. You're wearing shorts at least? No. (laughs) All right. I have no further questions, Your Honor. (laughs) Hey, speaking of that event, yes, a little bit later today, come hang out with us at Covert B Cave, legendary lifetime Longhorn and national champion Michael Griffin will be there. We'll also have free lunch provided by our friends at Smokey Moe's Barbecue and Verde's Mexican Perea. Mike Harge will be doing his show. That's right, hanging with Harge from 11 to 12, live at Covert B Cave. Trey and I are going to be doing our normal midday show live out there at Covert B Cave as well. But more importantly, questions and answers with Michael Griffin. He'll be taking some pictures. He'll be signing some autographs. We'll all be chopping it up, having a great time, and enjoying some free food. Free food. Michael Griffin, Texas, Bama. Doesn't get much better than that. Get your weekend started off right at Covert Bee Cave. The party starts at 1130, so come out and see us. We'll be there. Trey and I are doing our show till 1, but the food and all the fun will probably be over around 1245 or so. So uh, try to get out there at some point during that window. We would love to see you guys to show you all some appreciation for what you've done for us. And, of course, go out and see Covert Bee Cave. Many thanks to them for their support of Texas Sports Unfiltered. I'm excited to have them as a huge part of what we have going on and excited for these pre-game day events that we're going to be having every Friday before home games. I know tomorrow is not a home game, but moving forward, every Friday 
before a home game. We'll be out there at Covert Bee Cave. Many thanks to them for having us out. They are one of our great sponsors. And Trey, another one of our great sponsors is one of our great friends, Tom McKay and Audio Visual Consultations. That's right. I haven't caught up with Tom in a couple weeks. I need to see how that Boston trip went as he took Camilla back to her sophomore year at Emerson. Regardless, you know the place to call if you want to spruce up that home theater setup or maybe you're a place of business and you want to add some televisions or make that setup better. The company that you need to go with is Audiovisual Consultations. You can go to avconsultations.com to see all the different types of things that they can do for you in your home or place of business. Stuff that they've been doing for people for 35 years now. Once you decide on that service, give them a call, 512-255-8678. You haven't done so up to this point. Unfortunately, you are not set up for the start of football season, but there's still plenty of time to go, and we are nearing the best month for sports in the calendar year. That would be October. That's when the baseball playoffs fire up, especially for you Astros fans. Not for us Rangers fans, unfortunately, in all likelihood. Mm. But NBA gets going, NHL gets going, and of course, football is in full swing as well. 512-255-8678 for audio-visual consultations. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And y'all see me drinking my Olipop this morning. Got the Tropical Punch flavor today. Shout out to them, our newest sponsor here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. This stuff is dangerously good. Man, their slogan is a new kind of soda, and that's what it is. You get the same soda taste. Now, I know Tropical Punch is not a traditional soda flavor, but they do have a bunch of classic soda flavors like cola, like lemon lime, like Dr. Goodwin, which is their version of a DP, like root beer, like cream soda. They've got all of them. They taste great, and they're actually good for you. That's right. The worst part of drinking soda is just how bad that stuff is for you. The sugars, the carbs, the calories – not stuff you want to be putting into your body. Well, this stuff is inside the can, a blend of seven unique botanicals, plant fibers, and prebiotics. You're actually getting nine grams of fiber in every can. There's only two to five grams of total sugar per can, less than 50 calories. I'm telling you, this stuff is fantastic. The taste is absolutely there. And once again, it is a soda that is good for you. It's amazing what these guys have done. Pick up Olipop at HEB, at Target, at Whole Foods, at Walmart. Wherever you go to buy your groceries, you can find Olipop. They've got them at Costco as well. This stuff is legit, and we are very, very happy to have Olipop on board as a sponsor for Texas Sports Unfiltered. And that two to five total grams of sugar includes zero grams of added sugar, too. So it's all real ingredients that is going into the Olipop. I've seen ads for Olipop. I don't know. Maybe it's just our technology listening to us. <laughs> but I feel like since you and I first talked about this at the start of the week, I've seen Olipop ads all over the place. And it has my mouth watering to try and taste this stuff. Because even though I no longer drink sodas, like that's just one of those easy things to cut out if you uh, want to be, I don't know, a skinnier version of yourself. I love the flavor of Dr. Pepper as a fat kid. So to potentially get to bring that back into my life and not have to suffer the consequence of the negative health effects of a Dr. Pepper, yeah, I'm looking forward to trying that first Olipop. This stuff is legit, man. I am telling you. I am telling you. All right, Trey, in about eight minutes, we'll be speaking with Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. He's going to give you and your cousins out there some winners for the college and NFL weekend Super excited to talk to Lee. Of course, he will have 
some thoughts and a pick for Texas and Alabama. One of my big takeaways, though, from what Jeff said, and we've talked about it all week long, you assume Texas is going to have a spy for Jalen Milrow, right? Like that's, I think everybody knows that's what Texas's game plan is going to try to be defensively. Make Jalen Milrow beat you with his arm. He's an electric runner. He's 220 pounds and he's got probably four, four speed. I mean, it's just unfair what the guy can do when he takes off and runs. You don't want to get torched by Jalen Milrow's legs, but still some questions. The arm looked good last week against middle Tennessee state. The one start we saw from Jalen Milrow against a quality opponent, calling A&M in 2022 quality feels like a little bit of a stretch. He really struggled throwing the football. So that's the game plan for Texas. To do that, they're going to implement a spy, and I thought it was interesting what Jeff said. He brought up a few different names, and he basically said that you can't just have one guy. Like I think a lot of Texas fans have been like, oh, let's make this guy the spy. Like Jalen Catalan's going to be that dude. Or Jalen Ford's going to be that dude. Or David Bend is going to be that dude. No, I think Jeff brought up some good points. If Nick Saban and Tommy Reese know exactly who the spy is going to be on every single play, then they're going to find a way to successfully attack your defense all night long. Pete Kwiatkowski and company, they've got to switch things up. There's got to be a few different guys who are in that rotation to be the spy on Jalen Milrow tomorrow night. At times it'll be Jalen Ford. You may see David Benda there a small amount. I think Jalen Catalan is part of the answer. And keep an eye on Anthony Hill and where he is when he's on the field tomorrow night, even on third downs. Now, some of the time he will be pinning his ears back, trying to get after Milrow as he looks for that first read. But you may see him drop into more of a position where He's shuffling his feet with Milrow, going whatever direction Milrow is. And when he sees that opportunity to attack or he sees that possible angle, he goes right at Milrow to try and make him pay for that second read turning into Milrow tucking and running. And the key for Texas early on tomorrow is putting doubt in Milrow's mind that when that first read isn't there and he decides to tuck the football and try and pick up a big chunk of yardage on the ground, that he's going to pay a price. Not only is he not gaining that yardage, you're stopping him at or behind the line of scrimmage, but you're hitting him hard too. Because, look, let's be honest, even though we talk about player safety, that's the name of the game in football, is making somebody pay for uh, a decision where perhaps they'll consider otherwise the next time around. Yeah, and Milrow doesn't often slide, right? I mean, he's, he's a big dude. He's 6'3", 6'4", 220. Uh, so he's got some weight to him, so he can withstand a hit or two. But like you said, I mean, yeah, if he's if he's going to take off and run and he's not going to give himself up, you want to send a message that, hey, buddy, if you try this again, here's what uh, is in store for you. I'll tell you what, man, I, I would love to see Tyler Buckner tomorrow night. That'd be awesome. That's best case scenario. Not because of an injury, by the way. I, like, I don't I don't want that to happen to anybody. But I like I hope Texas's defense does such a good job of neutralizing Jalen Milrow that Alabama and Nick Saban feels like they need to make a change and that could happen we've seen Nick Saban do that hell he did it in a national championship game and I think a lot of Bama fans expected that to happen last week against Middle Tennessee the problem is Milrow the problem not for them Milrow played so damn well that he just he was in the game until it was a blowout and then they brought in the backups but if we could see that tomorrow where Nick Saban panics a little bit and it's just like oh this guy's not good enough to get it done and Texas has figured out a way to stop him and they've got to make the switch, That'd be uh, that would be pretty cool. It would be a nice uh, banner for Pete Kwiatkowski right there. That is a great omen for the rest of the night if you can get Nick Saban to switch quarterbacks 
I don't know if it happens in the first quarter, maybe midway through the second quarter where he's trying something different because the guy that he rolled out there that he hoped would set a good precedent for your offense and give you a lead, that's not working out. Because I think those other quarterbacks play more into what this Texas defense does well. Like if anything, the guy who is more of an elite runner who can also con- complete passes too. We proved that last weekend against lesser competition. If you can get that factor off the field, then all of a sudden Texas defense is in its wheelhouse and, and watch out because a blowout possibility for the Longhorns, if that offense can get going, is very much on the table. Yeah, and I kind of agree with this comment from Jay Ward here. The biggest spy for Texas is going to be the defensive line minding gaps. That's right. I mean, you can't have your edge rushers going 5, 10 yards up the field because Texas could have somebody in spy against Jalen Milrow. Trey, I don't know if there's anybody on this Texas defense who's as fast as Jalen Milrow. Mm. So, it, you know, it, obviously, mind your gaps. Well, also, angles are going to be very, very important when trying to slow that dude down. But you just can't lose sight of your job, of your responsibility, of where you're supposed to be. Because even if Texas does have somebody in spy, if it's Jalen Milrow versus David Benda in open space, nighty night. In the words of Craig Way, you could say goodnight to it. And that's not what we want to hear from Craig Way when talking about Alabama on offense tomorrow night. So it's going to be on those defensive linemen to also maintain the responsibility and do their jobs, what they're supposed to do. So Jalen Milrow doesn't have those huge running lanes to where he can get that head start and be basically in a full sprint by the time he crosses the line of scrimmage. Cause if that happens, you're in a world of trouble. God, I'm so excited for this game tomorrow night. Can it just get here already, please? Uh-huh. And by the way, A&M and Miami is happening at the is it happening at the same time? No, it's a little bit earlier. That leads into the Alabama-Texas game. I hate that Texas Tech and Oregon is also happening at 6 o'clock. Will that be on a, a second screen? Perhaps. It'll probably be on my computer because I don't have that cool Ford TV set up that you have in your household thanks to audiovisual consultations. But I wish we got that game at like 11 a.m. or something. Mm. But I'm also glad to see these networks start to put some bigger matchups back on at night. That's bothered me over the last few years to see too many of these games. And we obviously got this in Austin last year where it was an 11 a.m. kickoff and it was miserably hot. Now, it was still a fun environment, but college, the best college football games are meant to be played at night. You give that home crowd an opportunity to get lubed up all day. And there's just something special about a a top 10 or in this case, a top 11 matchup happening under the bright lights of that stadium so are you joining the dark side do you now want texas and oklahoma to be played at night like i I do I, i think you and i talked about this in the last year i i am on board for that in part because look that part of south dallas is uh not has not turned into i don't know austin's east side by any means There's a freaking mezcal bar across the street from the state fair now. So it's not as dangerous as it once was. And there's also a ton of security around there too. So on the one hand, it's like, yeah, you're giving Texas and OU fans more of a chance to get super wasted at the fair before the game itself happens. And that could cause its own set of problems. I would be intrigued to see that game played at night at the Cotton Bowl. Yes. So I'm on with you now. Yep. Uh, people, there's already one comment saying someone's going to die if they put that as a night game. 
That's the point. If you want to prove that you're the best rivalry in the sport, you need casualties every year, right? Who else can match that? Yeah, what's what's the law of evolution? Only the strong or the strong <laughs> fade away. Uh, kidding, obviously, but yeah, I, I'm with you on your overall thought. Like the the biggest game should be played at night. It just it it's a lot cooler for me playing games like this under the lights. And I hate the Fox Big Noon kickoff bit where it feels like they have made their biggest game start at 11 a.m. every single week. Like the biggest games, the best games should be played at least in the afternoon, but. At night is preferred. I think that just makes the atmosphere a little bit better. You also get to see the cool light shows. I know you're kind of against that, but I like some of the light shows that uh, a lot of these college football programs, Texas now included, have implemented, and we'll get to see that for the first time next Saturday. I know it's Wyoming, but uh, that's the first night home game that Texas will play this year. So you get that element of things, too. It does feel like people are more amped up and excited for uh, for a game that is played under the lights. So I'm with you, man. I'm excited. I, I cannot wait for this game tomorrow. I don't know what I'm gonna do when it's over. Like, I mean, I'll be I'll be either celebrating and drinking or I'll be drinking in misery. I guess I, I kind of know what I'm gonna do, but I've just like I've been focused on September 9th for so long. I mean, really since the Alamo Bowl. Like that, this has been my focus for Texas football is this game tomorrow. I put so much stock into this, and I know you have, and just about every Texas fan has, and I know Alabama fans have too. There's going to be like a void in my heart, in my lack of soul when uh, when this game is done tomorrow. We'll see how it goes. Hey, one of our favorites is joining us right now here on Bucky and BK. Of course, we've got Trey filling in for the buck today. But he's our man, a great friend of mine, and the very best in the business. If you or your cousin want to make some money this weekend, you've got to reach out to our friend Lee Sterling from ParamountSports.com. Lee, what's going on, my friend? I'm good. Um, Excited for the game. Excited for the Alabama-Texas game. And I'm going to the Miami-Texas A&M game. Real excited for that game, too. So, you know, Brad, if Texas wins and – Miami wins. It's gonna yeah. be some kind of party, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I'll be wish I, I wishing I was in Miami celebrating with you if uh, if both of those teams could take care of business tomorrow, man. Oh, that would be that would be special for sure. Uh, congrats to you, by the way. How about a five and zero college football week one last week? Yep. Pretty damn good yep. start to the season, huh? Let's see if we can keep rolling here. Just two games that matter most, but we'll hit on. Got a couple other pretty big games to talk about before we hit to those uh, those two monsters. For sure. Well, let's start with uh, Notre Dame at NC State. Notre Dame's looked really, really good. They haven't played anybody yet, but they've got two blowout wins. They're now into the top ten. Sam Hartman looks great. They're going to NC State, an intriguing Wolfpack team this year. The Irish seven point favorites on the road. What do you like in this one, Lee? College football has changed. I mean, Sam Hartman, used to seeing him in that Wake Forest uniform, the black and gold, but um, now he's he's got he's a golden domer. So uh, And he looks good. I mean, they've always had a running game. They just have not had a passing game. How good have they been since he got there? Both games are averaging 11.1 yards per pass attempt. Usually they're in the six to seven range yards per pass attempt. How bad has this NC State team been? So Brennan Armstrong, when he was a freshman at Virginia, 
he was a stud. He ran, he threw, he did it all. I mean, I thought he was going to be a top five quarterback in college football. In their game last week against UConn, bottom feeding UConn, they did not have a completion of more than 20 yards. He is just, he's not the same guy. I don't know whether he just got just sacked too many times or just his, just doesn't have the same confidence he used to have. So they got a real problem here. Their defense, Notre Dame, has not allowed a point so far this year in games against Navy. Usually Navy, they have four scored 30-plus points on Notre Dame. Three points, a field goal late. Tennessee State goose-egged them here. Except for the home field advantage, North Carolina State has nothing. I like Notre Dame, 31-20. Interesting. All right, Lee. The Oklahoma Sooners had an impressive week one victory over an Arkansas State team that apparently has fallen on hard times now. SMU also took care of business against Louisiana Tech in week one. The Ponies travel up to Norman for week two with the Sooners as 15-point favorites right now. Was last week a little bit of fool's gold for Sooners fans, or can they cover this two-touchdown-plus spread tomorrow? I think it's a combination of both, Trey. So Oklahoma played a horrific Arkansas State team. I think they're going to be five, bottom five in the country. Also, the SMU final score, very misleading. They led 31 nothing at halftime. I mean, absolutely dominated them. I like Rhett Lashley a lot. Did a good job when he's here at Miami. Preston Stone, nice quarterback here. He's been in the system a couple of years. They bring in two transfer Running backs Jalen Knighton from Miami. Uh, I love this nickname. They call him Rooster. Jalen Rooster hmm. Knighton. Love it. And LJ Johnson from Texas A&M. So uh, uh, he's, he's, he looks good also. And then Jordan Hudson they got from TCU at receiver. Uh, tight end RJ Maryland looks good. I just think that this Oklahoma team has not been tested. This defense, I don't trust them here. So – I think SMU, this is a game they have nothing to lose. I think OU's offense is good, still not sold on the defense. OU wins 41-33, take the points. How about, how about if SMU wins that game and oh. we get the other two wins? Oh, oh I, I don't know if I'll be able to watch college football ever again, Lee. <laughs> I'll, I'll have peaked. That will be perfect. Hey, how have, have about this comment from Virginia here? Shout out to our sponsor, Joe Cohen and Son Jewelers, Ooh. and then a Go Aggies. Mm-hmm. That will segue us into our next game. I think Bill may be making the trek out there. He's a big AM fan. He might be going to hang out with you this weekend yep. in Coral Gables. Let's get to that game, Lee. These two teams played last year in College Station. The Aggies got a win. People thought it would jumpstart their season. It, it really didn't. Neither team was that good. Uh, the Aggies looked very impressive in their week one win. They're taking their talents on the road at Miami. The Aggies a four-ish point favorite against the U. How do you see this one playing out? Well, Joe, Joe Cohen, Sun Jewelers, amazing. Bill, been a friend for a long time. And I don't know if he's going to get on the plane. I don't think he has the guts. I mean, <laughs> I have some friends who went to went to UT with me, and they still, from that Cotton Bowl win, I think it was like 90, I think it was like 92, 93, they're still scarred from it. And I think he's been through Miami a couple times to take a cruise in the airport, but he's going to be shocked. 
60 to 65,000 fans, how loud they can be. He thinks they're bringing 30,000 fans. It's not happening. Trust me. So last year's game, AM, I thought the home field advantage was huge. Miami had a bunch of illegal procedure penalties, got in the red zone four times, and got a big goose egg. Nothing. Not one score by via touchdown. Two field goals, had a field goal blocked, a missed field goal. And the one turnover, one turnover was when Restrepo, the receiver, didn't play in the game. They brought in the defensive back, Stevenson, fumbled the punt, led to the AM touchdown, give him credit. They were resourceful. They didn't throw the ball down the field the entire game. They had Johnson just dinking and dunking, uh, let Miami beat themselves here. But Miami ran for 175 yards. I think Miami's offensive line is different. Except for their cornerback position, I think their front seven is much better. They could give up some big plays. Evan Stewart is dangerous. Smith in the slot, really good. I mean, they got four or five really good receivers. But I love this comment. They're all talking about Connor Wegman has not thrown an interception here. This will be a six start. Trust me. You're going to see them flash that, that, that up there, and he's going to throw at least one interception. Hmm. I think they're going to come at him up the middle if they're smart. He is really good planting his feet and throwing the football. When he goes side to side, not as good of an accurate passer and uh, negates his running also. I think it's going to be a great game, but I think home field is going to be the deciding factor here. Wrong team favorite, guys. Miami, outright. Bring it, Bill Cohen. I don't think he's coming. <laughs> How's my you, Lee? I think it's pretty good. <laughs> pretty darn good. That's like the best art I've done in my entire life. <laughs> All about the you. Come on there now. There you go. Come on, Trey. Come on. You got to root against the Aggies this weekend, right? Trey? Yes, that my seven-year-old okay. son drew that you, BK. Was that really your final <laughs> effort there? Uh, I bet he could do a better job than I did there, honestly. Well, home field has been a big advantage for Alabama since Nick Saban got there, Lee. We've heard the stat way too many times this week here in Austin that I think it's eight total losses since he got there. Three of those were in year one, so legitimately five home losses in about 15 years' time. But this isn't your typical Alabama team right now. They are reloading at certain important positions, maybe some uncertainty at quarterback still, even though Milrow looked good last year, had that single start for Bama last year facing an AM team that Bama very nearly lost to, and that AM team wasn't all that good. Alabama does find themselves as seven-point favorites right now over the Longhorns tomorrow night in Tuscaloosa. How do you think this game ends up? So I don't think there's a super team this year. You know, a couple of years ago, LSU was special with Burrow and those two receivers. Uh, the year before that, Alabama was incredible with two and all those receivers. I don't think there's that team this year. Here's what's surprising about Alabama. I think everyone thought there was going to be a quarterback controversy with Tyler Buckner and Jalen Milrow. Nothing. We didn't hear a whisper. Jalen Milrow has just taken over. We've always known he's a good runner. But his passing has improved here. Does he have some good threats? Yeah, they're good. I think he's the guy that stirs the offense. For Texas, Quinn Ewers, you would like to see him come along farther than he's come along. Uh, they are not hitting on deep pass plays. We were hoping we'd see some of that last week. Uh, the offensive line, nothing special here. They're going to face a much better line 
in Alabama last week. I mean, Rice, Ewers got hit a couple times hard. I was wincing he got hit so hard here. And with no Bijan Robinson, I think it's going to be tough to keep that defense honest here. Like to have a threat like him here. I hate to say it, guys. Two words. Roll Tide. Mm. Alabama. Uh. 34-24. God, I usually love hearing you say those two words, but <laughs> this week I hate it. Uh, last one, Lee, before we get to your free play of the yep. weekend. Let's talk some NFL. The Cowboys open up their season in Jersey against the New York Giants. Sunday night football, Dallas a three-point favorite. Who you like in this one? Dallas has dominated this series here. And, you know, what What did they do down the stretch? Uh, nothing, the Giants. They fell apart. Um uh, they just cannot beat playoff teams here. They did it. I, mean, I don't know how their coaching staff was able to piece together a winning record, 9-7-1. I, I think Dallas is primed to have a big season here. I think their offensive line is going to dominate here. Still, I mean, I think Jones has improved. But I do think they just don't have the receivers that can hurt Dallas here. Special teams might also be an advantage here. I like Dallas here, 28-21. All right. I love to yep. hear that. Our guy, Bill Cohen, real quickly in the uh, chat line, calling a loss. He says you're picking Miami, so your perfect record is uh, is going away this weekend. Well, That's awesome. let's, let's see how that works out, Bill. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm 4-1 and one and Texas knocks off Alabama. And uh, they do that, Brad. You might have to get a date for a Tuesday, Wednesday night and even buy her some jewelry at Joe Cohen and Son Jewelers. You'll be so excited. There you go. You might be right on that. All right, Lee, last thing. Your free play, a game tonight, the Kansas Jayhawks against Illinois. If people want to get that game and cash in on your picks all weekend and all season long, where can they find you? Well, just call 800-400-9741 to get that Kansas-Illinois game for free. Big game. Uh, We're going to see what Kansas is all about. Now they're going to be tested against a good Illinois defense, 800-400-9741. And how about this, guys? I rate my games from 10 to 50 units. My first 40 to 50 unit selection of the year, it is an NFL play. I'll text it to you, uh, Brad, as soon as the game starts on Sunday. If you want to text it out to everyone or or whatever you want to do, put it on X now or formerly Twitter, mm-hmm. go ahead. Um, full disclosure, we are now – 61 and 20 the last 15 years on these 40 to 50 unit best bets. So it's the first time I've ever released an NFL week one 40 to 50 unit play. I found a game, the great, perfect matchup. So uh, anyone wants to get involved, how about this? You don't need to sign up for the season. We call it September to remember four weeks from now through Monday, October 2nd. This is our executive phone service where we rate them, like I said, from 10 to 50 units going to get generally 11 to 14 games a week all you need to do go to paramountsports.com where it says purchase picks put in coupon code save 100 it's the second special down save 100 knocks the price down to 297 for four weeks 75 dollars a week for 11 to 14 selections love to have you aboard paramountsports.com and check out the new website uh, got a lot of other features there. Got some other big games going on around the country. I mean, Iowa, Iowa State, Colorado, Nebraska. Check out those videos. And on the homepage where it says free pick sign up, once you scroll down, put in your information there. We'll email you a free selection 
each and every Friday night about eight o'clock. So freebies last year over sixty five percent. So wow. love to have everyone aboard. Just one place, ParamountSports.com. Lee, you're the king. Thank you so much for the time. Enjoy the Miami game tomorrow. Hold on. Hold on. It's all about the you, baby. We will talk next week, my friend. Thanks so much. All right, guys. See you, Brad. All right, there he goes, Lee Sterling. And by the way, the uh, the Lee Sterling Paramount Sports segment is brought to you by our great friends at Joe Cohen and Son Jewelers. You don't need to know diamonds or jewelry or watches. You just need to know Bill Cohen and his staff at Joe Cohen and Son. They're the best. I went and met with Bill last week. Great dude. And they have a great store down there on 6th and Congress. Dad always said, you need to know a great doctor, a great lawyer, and a great jeweler. Bill Cohen at Joe Cohen and Son Jewelers. They are your jewelry store. They've been in business for more than 140 years. They are the very best at what they do. If you want to deal with somebody who, without question, will treat you right, whose business is based on honesty, integrity, service, and value, go see Bill at Joe Cohen and Son Jewelers. They've got free and convenient downtown parking right there in the heart of downtown. Once again, 6th and Congress. They are the very best jewelry store that you can find in the world. We're just lucky enough to have them right here in Central Texas. Check them out online at joecoenjewelers.com. Stop by and say hello. We thank them for their great partnership here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. And, of course, we thank Lee Sterling for uh, joining us each and every Friday at 915 to give out his college and NFL picks for the weekends. Hey, BK, you mind if we talk a little Dallas Cowboys for a sec here? Don't mind at all. Because over the last few days... This is yesterday, two days ago. The days are all blending together at this point. We discussed Jerry Jones going rogue. Well, it's not really rogue. He discusses all issues Dallas Cowboys on 105.3 The Fan every week during the football season. I guess that started back up this week, but Jerry was in midseason form talking about how he basically pulled off the Trey Lance trade on his own, didn't ask anybody else about it, made it happen in five minutes once it was proposed, had all the information he needed. And uh, he also discussed uh, what would be considered an unsuccessful season this year, and that is underachieving. And you don't feel good about this team's chances in any year with Jerry still at the helm. What would be the over-under that you would put on how long Jerry is still on this planet? Oh, how old is he now? Late 70s, mid 70s. He's got to be in his 80s at this point, right? Uh, I mean, all the Botox he's gotten, his face might be 50. But the rest of him, I think, is upper 70s. I'm going to say over under 35 years for Jerry Jones. Five years. Oh, my God. That guy's going to be the crypt keeper. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm worried about. And then after he dies, they're going to pull a Ted Williams and freeze his head. And somehow, some way, the frozen head will still be allowed to make decisions for the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, I'll do you one better, my friend. You are leading uh-huh. into what I need to show you now because the Dallas Cowboys have set something up here that is going to ensure that Jerry is going to be around, well, until the end of time. Here we go. This is from our through Barstool Sports, I should say. And why can I not play this? Here we go. 
Uh, let's go ahead and just uh, hit play on this video here and show you why Jerry will be around long after you and I are even. And I headed back to Dallas, and within a matter of weeks, I'm going to Dallas County. Why did you choose AT&T to be your naming rights partner? The reason AT&T Stadium is AT&T Stadium is because to me, AT&T was like saying America. And I wanted our Dallas Cowboys, America's team, to be associated with Alexander Graham Bell and AT&T. That's right, buddy. Guess what? Jerry Jones already exists in hologram AI form. So not just a hologram, but a hologram that can listen to and respond to people asking him slash it questions. So it's conceivable that Jerry continues to own the Dallas Cowboys until the end of time. And well, maybe if Jerry is AI, perhaps he stops making such Jerry decisions once the real Jerry actually kicks the bucket. We're never winning another Super Bowl, man. <laughs> wow. So that's a hologram version of Jerry? Hol- hologram Jerry. It looked pretty good, too, because it looked like he was at the front of that room just answering questions from fans. Man, they found a classic fake baking bleach blonde girl at the start of that video, too, didn't they? But no, that was not real Jerry Jones there. That was a that was a hologram that is hearing and responding based on an AI program. Well, that hologram needs to die just like Jerry. All right, (laughs) we've got to unplug that thing, whatever we need to do to make sure that that guy is outside of the Cowboys organization. That's what we're going to do. If I need to step up and make some calls and make this happen, I'll make it happen for the betterment of the Dallas Cowboys fan base. God. Terrible. Who are you going to call? Is this a Ghostbusters promo we're doing here? I'm just asking who you're going to call to off Jerry's hologram. I'm going to call, uh, I don't know, our old radio station engineer. I'll see if he can do it. <laughs> he'll, he'll just unplug it or he'll trip the wires or he'll do something. He'll figure it out. I don't know. Oh, man. Create, create some drama within Texas Sports Unfiltered before he does so, too. I'll tell you what, I heard you and Kevin talking to Justin Wells of Inside Texas yesterday, and I was about ready to go Blue's Clues and jump through my computer screen to beat the shit out of Justin Wells with what he was saying about the Cowboys, man. I mean, you asked him what would be considered an underwhelming season, and he's like 6-10, and 10, which that's right, but he's like, oh, then, oh the Cowboys are an eight-win football team at best, and I'm like, what? They won 12 games the last two years. They play in the NFC. They're an eight-win football team. Like, if Dak gets hurt and misses two months, they're an eight-win football team. They stay healthy. Come on, man. Eight wins? Justin is the eternal optimist also. Yeah. That was rough. And that may have been coming on the heels of Kevin giving him way too much shit about the Texas Rangers. That outright collapse. So, they he got Justin in a bad mood. So, maybe Justin went pessimistic for the first time in the last two decades but yeah that was surprising to hear i thought he was going to say i don't know exit in the first round of the playoffs or maybe the second round again i know you and i talked about it a couple of days ago but for him to go i guess it's not at 500 anymore with 17 games for him to go eight and nine that really surprised me yeah i mean 
The Cowboys could go 17 and 0 and I'm not going to care if they don't make it to the conference championship game. Like that's anything less than that is a disappointment. Now I don't expect them to go 17 and 0. I think they're probably a 10, 11, maybe 12 win football team if some things go right. But uh, I fully expect them to be a playoff team. And, yeah, I mean, that's the next step in their progression. You and I talked about it earlier this week, right? Two years ago, they lose in the first round. Last year, they lose in the second round. This year, what should be next? I don't want them to lose in the conference title game if they get there. But I just – I want them to get there. Like, that's what the bar should be for the Cowboys this season. And anything less than that is a disappointment. Six wins. Oh, my God. I – I don't, I don't know what to do. I, I won't know what to do with myself if if that's the type of season that's in store for the boys. Are we sure what we're going to see out of Tony Pollard on Sunday night? Like, the guy hasn't carried the football in a meaningful way. I know he's gone through drills in training camp, but he didn't play at all in the preseason, which is completely understandable for that position. But for a guy coming off of an injury like that, I'm surprised we didn't see him for at least a series just so he could get a feel for the speed of the game back just a little bit. Are we sure he's going to be this dominant dude that he probably would have been had he not suffered this injury? No, no, especially early on. Like, I think at some point we'll see dominant Tony Pollard again, but uh, he could look a little rusty in week one, coming off of a couple of different surgeries that he had on his leg this offseason. So, uh, no, I'm a little bit nervous about that. Um, Good news is the deuce will be loose. Deuce Vaughn is a part of the Cowboys. I'm excited about that guy. They've got Malik Davis. I mean, they, they don't have anybody who's as good as Tony Pollard besides Tony Pollard in that running back room. But now to answer your question, yeah, that's a little bit of a concern, right? I mean, Tony Pollard, he's he's been the best running back on the Cowboys the last couple of years. So if he was fully healthy, I'd have zero doubts. I, I would think the Cowboys run game was going to be better this year than it had been the last couple of seasons. But now with him uh, sustaining that injury against the Niners, and him going through what he went through this offseason, yeah, a little bit concerned that uh, it might not look great in New York on Sunday. Are you suggesting that Deuce Vaughn, who, by the way, is somebody who dislikes the Cowboys, I would love nothing more than to see Deuce Vaughn light it up for Dallas this year. I'm a bigger Deuce Vaughn fan than I am a hater of the Cowboys. That's how much I like Deuce Vaughn. But are you saying that Deuce Vaughn has a chance to treat the league like an international Delta flight going from Atlanta to Spain? Oh, he's just going to run all over the league? Is that what you're going for? Yeah, deuce running all over the league, exactly. I like that. He's just going to shit on opposing defenses all season long. It's like the mad shitter. Sour smell in the noses of the competition. Oh, nicely done, I guess. Oh, my God. Loved and hated myself more at the same time. <laughs> oh, God. All right. I don't know who wants to sponsor that, but uh, let's let's give some love to some of our sponsors. Altstad Beer. I hope I'm drinking Altstad in celebration tomorrow night. I, I will be drinking Altstad during the game. I can guarantee you that. Uh, I might be drinking in a little bit of misery after the game ends tomorrow. But, hey, football weekend, the first full football weekend of the year is finally upon us my fridge is stocked with altstat hopefully yours is too for your tailgates for your watch parties if you're just staying at home and watching from the couch never a bad time for a nice cold altstat beer maybe a couple 
of ice cold old stad beers, a number of different brews, something for every beer drinker out there. The lager, the Kolsch, those are their two flagship beers. They've got the old stat light, which sacrifices on calories, but does not sacrifice on taste. They've got a great Hefeweizen as well. I'm telling you so much, so many options, so many great choices. They've got you covered. Altstadt beer, no impurities, no regrets. And Trey, some love for relax the back in that great chair that you're sitting in right now. That's right. A saving grace yesterday, BK, as I was broadcasting for five hours straight. By the way, Bucky and I were talking about this yesterday. Doing two straight hours like you guys do every morning is essentially like doing three radio hours because of the amount of time that you're broadcasting and you throw in the fact that you don't get any breaks to get up and walk around. It's a lot. And so five hours is a hell of a lot. Now the saving grace for me is the fact that I was doing most of that show in this relax the back chair when I wasn't getting on my knees to stretch my hip flexors out a little bit. This relax the back chair is the most comfortable seat in my house I haven't done so just yet because I don't want to upset the wifey poo too much, but I've thought about rolling this chair into our living room as we're just hanging out watching television at night. Don't want to miss out on the cuddle opportunities on the couch with the wifey, but it is tempting because this relaxed the back chair helps my chronically bad back so much. I'm actually looking at a stand-up desk now at Relax the Back because I am such a big believer in their products. I've been a customer going back, I want to say 15 plus years at this point. It started with some basic massage tools, tools that I still use to this day. It is extended to the chair, about to include that stand-up desk as well. Find out for yourself. There are locations all over town. Go to relaxtheback.com to see all the different sorts of things that you can purchase at the Relax the Back and then find that location nearest you. What did you call your wife a second ago? Wifey Poo. What the hell is that? Just a cutesy little nickname for her. <laughs> cutesy? Dude, yeah. she, she doesn't want to be called a Wifey Poo. I know your wife. She doesn't like that shit. You know what that is? Speaking of poo, uh, you know, you know what that is the direct result of? That's the direct result of me having too many conversations with Kevin Dunn. That that's a Kevin Dunnism right there that I just let bleed over into me speaking into this microphone and oh. referring to Justine, who does better than that. You're right. I'm worried Relax the Back isn't gonna want to sponsor us anymore because of you saying that during that read, dude. You know what? Even if they don't want to sponsor us anymore, as disappointing as that would be, I would still be a staunch Relax the Back customer. Wifey poo. God, you're done. You're, you're, you're in timeout. You're done for the rest of the day. Ah, shoot. Now we've got to do another show together. Damn it. All right. All right. Clock now. It is six hours and 46 minutes of straight live broadcasting on the Texas Sports Unfiltered channel. The record has been set, and like you, I hope nobody ever comes close to it. Yeah, not uh, not gay broadcasting on Texas Sports Unfiltered. Thank you for letting everyone know that it was straight. We, we appreciate uh, that one, Trey. All right, I'm stopping the app. You're starting the app. If you're listening on the app, you might hear a weird turnover. Uh, Trey's headed out to Covert B Cave, where hopefully all of you will be headed in the not-too-distant future. 11.30, Michael Griffin. Mike Harge will be doing his show live. Trey and I will be live. Free food. Come out and see us. Trey, we will see you in a bit, my friend.
giving the people listening on the app way too much information right now. It's going to take like two or three minutes for that switch over because I have to shut things down here, get in my car, and turn my phone into a Wi-Fi hotspot as I'm driving out to BK. So give us a couple of minutes. Stay tuned. The app will be back live. All right. See you, buddy. There he goes. Trey is out and coming in a few minutes early. One of the co-hosts of Chaos Theory, which you can hear on Texas Sports Unfiltered every weekday from 10 to 11 a.m., the great Adam Wagner, a.k.a. Wags. What's up, brother? Dude, what the hell did I just walk into? Where is Trey turning into Iron Man? Like, he, he's a he's a roving hotspot, wifey-poo. What the? What? 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 I don't know. He's, Usually he's I going... say WTF. And it's what the F, but now it's wrong team favored BK Thursday night football, baby. Oh man. Well, you, you just gave me a lot there. Um, Trey. Yeah. Look, I, I had to give him the T right there. I wish, I wish I had my book, you know, that's probably a red card offense that Trey just committed saying wifey poo, uh, on these airwaves right here. Like that's that, that, that should really be like a one week suspension from all shows on Texas sports unfiltered. That was a mess. I feel like and... wifey poo belongs in a jingle or something. You know what I mean? Like wifey poo, wifey poo, where are you? <laughs> I love you. All right. You're about to get a card too if you keep that up, dude. No, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. My Please bad. tell me you don't call your wife wifey no, poo. No, I call her boss. Oh. Be, honest, be honest with you, man. I call her boss. <laughs> That's that's the way she's it is. Listening, so uh, she's she works from home on Fridays, and she's in the room next door. So I, I gotta say all the right things. Uh, very smart. Yeah, good call. She's listening. That's scary. Yeah, do we need to whisper? How are you, dude? Looking good, man. Good. Hey, first full. Th- I, I need to thank you, man. First, before you get out of here, first uh. full week of chaos theory on the air. First full week of us being a full family of eight hours of broadcast, man, on Texas Sports Unfiltered. You put it together. You're the lead of this thing. Thank you so much, man. You're our cap. Captain America, buddy. Hey, you're rounding down, brother. We're going nine hours a day, eight to five. Am I? Oh, that's right. We have an addition. We have an addition. Yeah, eight to five. Congratulations on that. Every weekday. And, yeah, if you missed the big news that dropped last night, starting next week, fire the cannon with Rocky. And Fancy Boots, also known as Megan, they will be doing a live show every Wednesday from 3 to 5 p.m. The other afternoon shows will be a combination of Jeff and Trey and Kevin and Trey, you know, what you guys have been getting this week from 3 to 5. So it'll be two days of Trey and Kevin, two days of Trey and Jeff, and then every Wednesday from 3 to 5, the Fire the Cannon podcast will be joining our network here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. Super excited to announce that last night. Yeah, super excited of the great team that we've been able to put together. I appreciate your kind words, Wags, but more importantly, I appreciate all of y'all saying yes to this thing. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, you know, I, I I could try all I want. I could call all <laughs> I want, but people could easily be like, no, hell no, I'm not working with you. I'm not working with this. I'm out. But thankfully, uh, just about everybody has has said yes, and I am grateful for that. And it's been a really fun first week getting to listen to you and Rodney, and also getting to listen to all the great new shows that we've uh, we put together here on TSU. Yeah, man, I can't wait, dude. It's it's the uh, the sky is the limit, as they like to say, my man. Um, so what about last night? Before I before you get out of here, man, let's talk a little bit about Thursday night football, dude. Let me oh. get your thoughts, dude. Yeah, I know you and Rodney are going to be talking about it from ten to eleven, but I, I was wrong. Like I so, I knew the Chiefs were going to be too. shorthanded. 
you know, you guys were talking about it. I think I think most rational people were in agreement that it didn't make sense to play Travis Kelsey, right? Just because the Chiefs have bigger fish to fry and there's 16 more games, and obviously they expect to make another long playoff run again. So, you know, throwing Travis Kelsey out on the field like two days after he sustained a leg injury in practice felt a little reckless, and ultimately the Chiefs came to that conclusion. But even though I knew Kelsey probably wasn't going to play, even though I knew Chris Jones wasn't going to play, I still thought the Chiefs were going to find a way to get it done. They have Mahomes. They have Andy Reid. They're playing at Arrowhead. That's a lethal combination right there, even if the rest of the roster is a little bit shorthanded. I thought Kansas City was going to find a way to get it done, especially when they got the ball back, right, with just over two minutes to go. It's like, oh, the Lions get stopped on fourth down. The Chiefs have the ball. Plenty of time, plenty of timeouts. We've seen this song and dance about a thousand times since Mahomes entered the league. Sorry about that, Lions. You know, cute effort. Good try. Congrats on covering, but you're going to lose. And then credit the Lions defense, man. They step up. They get a stop. Uh, it helps that Kadarius Tony was point shaving last night. Are, so are you really? I saw you texting about that. Are you really? Do you feel like that? Like I've had a ball in my hands and kind of slip out like that, like it's a, a wet watermelon or something like that, bro. Like, dude, it looked bad, man. It really did look bad. And re- and of course, my son's got him in fantasy. He's like, what the hell is going on? And and I said, BK thinks he's throwing. He goes, he is throwing. He is throwing. Look at it. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, he's about to be suspended for six games for that shit. That was garbage, man. That was tough tough to watch, man. If you're Pat Mahomes, like, how do you stay positive with that? Like, how do you go up to your boy and be like, yo, keep it up, man. You got this. Like, I remember T.O. having one of those games for San Francisco, but then redeeming himself at the end, catching a touchdown. Yeah. That was one of the worst wide receiver games I've ever seen in my entire life. I mean, Kadarius Tony should be given credit for an interception, right? Like it, that he, he that did. pick six shouldn't go on Mahomes' ledger. That should go on Kadarius Tony's ledger because he basically threw that to Brian Branch on that drop. And it's not even just that. Like if even if it wouldn't have hit Kadarius Tony's hands, it would have just fell flat. Like his hit, it hitting his hands, the ball hitting his hands actually projected the ball and elevated it up, dude. So uh, yeah, it. Gave the defense time to get up under it, man. Wild night, dude. Wild night. Hey, look, I guess both kneecaps are gone. (laughs) Yeah, I'll give Detroit some credit, man. Like, their defense stepped up. They had to make those plays down the stretch. They obviously got some help from the Chiefs wide receiver room, but still, uh, to hold that Kansas City team to 20 points in their building, very, very impressive. Uh, That final touchdown drive that they put together, very, very impressive. And look, the Lions were a trendy pick for a lot of people going into this season. you know, I don't know if this is a case of putting too much stock into week one or, hey, the way the Lions ended last year combined with week one, combined with the good offseason that they had, like in a wide open NFC, I don't want to say they have as good of a chance as anybody because they're not as good as Philly or San Francisco. Uh, and I'd even put Dallas ahead of them right now. Right. But still, I mean, this, this Lions team, they've got something cooking, man. And that was a great way for them to start the season. Did you see what I just saw? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. You usually have very keen observation, dude. So I wanted to, ask, I wanted to ask you about last night too. How about the right tackle, Taylor? It felt like Taylor for the Chiefs lined up. Here we go, Taylor for the Chiefs lined up in the backfield. What is going on? What are, uh, what are we with, doing here? Are we with Jawan Taylor with both? Dude, get all get out of here. You're finally done. The We're finally done. The sociopath just pops up. That that will be in envisioned all day long. 
man, Nightmare all day long. Cool. So, dude, yeah. So it felt like Taylor was kind of lined up in the, not only was he lined up in the backfield all all game, but he also was leaving early to beat yeah. Hutch. Like, yeah. and, and they were not getting any calls. They finally got a call, like, I think two minutes into the fourth with the fourth quarter uh, remaining, right? So, yeah, on that fourth and 20, they finally <laughs> called it to make it a fourth yeah. and 25. You know, it's yeah. it's weird, man. And I've been looking at O-Lineman Twitter. Well, that's a weird place to be. But I've seen a bunch of offensive linemen kind of step up and back up Jawan Taylor and say, no, that's cool. That's kosher. Because they want to be able to do stuff like that. Sure. And Jawan Taylor's not the only offensive lineman in the league. I brought this up earlier with Trey. David Bakhtiari, who's been one of the best in the business for the Packers, he also like starts with one foot way back in way the backfield. Back, yeah. And he also, it looks like he's false starting on every play, and they just don't call it. So, like, everybody was watching, obviously, first game of the year, that standalone Thursday night game. But there are a few guys around football who kind of do that, and I, I guess it's up to the ref's discretion on whether or not they call it. But yeah, Lions fans and obviously people rooting or betting against the Chiefs were like yelling at their TV like, dude, what the hell is this? Like that right. every single play, right. I, I guess the refs, just whatever crew you have, they they decide if that's kosher or not. And for 99% of the game, it was. But on that one fourth down and 20, the refs said, nope, this is when we're going to lay down the law a little bit. Well, I never played line before, man, but I know like they do get into a certain type of stance so that they can get back and do their steps a certain way. But if, if you think about it, man, if they're not taking a false step, you know, right from the ball being snapped, that's an extra step that they have already on the defensive end who already, you know, the offense has an advantage as it is knowing the snap count and they got in the defense has to react. So I don't know how much more advantage the offense actually needs, but Taylor was taking every advantage last night though. It must be nice to be the chiefs. That's what I got for the past couple of years. It's been really good to be the chiefs. That's all. Yeah. I, Cause it feels like everybody love you're everybody's darlings, man. Yep. That's uh that's how it goes when you're a really good team, man. Sure. Like, Doing doing radio in Houston the uh, the last couple of years, it's like oh the Astros get every break, they get every call. It's like oh when you're a really good team, everyone just assumes you're cheating. And I guess the Astros did get caught cheating once. But everyone just assumes everything is going your way. But you know what didn't go the Chiefs' way yesterday, Wags? What's that? The fact that they had this guy as uh, their wide receiver. <laughs> Chubbs. Ch- Chubbs. I mean, Kadarius Tony's hands. Chubbs would have been a better option. Rest in peace, by the way, Chubbs. Chubbs would have been a better option than Kadarius Tony or Sky Moore last night. Well, Chubbs would have played, but his mom's his mom thought that he would have got hurt playing football, so his mom wouldn't let him play. <laughs> that's, that's the deal. Are we combining Good there? Yeah, 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 yeah. Nicely done. <laughs> oh man, amazing. Yeah, big win for the Lions. Obviously, last Am night. Dave and Buster's what? Oh, it's because of all the lights behind you. No, probably. I'm in. I'm in alt. I'm in. I want to be in alt stat heaven, but I'm. You know, I got a lot of. Uh, I got a lot of TVs back here, and it's because of uh, Tom McKay and audiovisual con. Um, audiovisual consultations, buddy. That's where yep. I'm at. They hooked Wags up as well. Hey, before we bring Rodney on and I hand things over to Chaos Theory, want to give some love to a few more sponsors. Shout out to Seven Eleven. Get ready for game day at 7-Eleven. Get your 12-packs, get your cases, your six-packs, whatever, all the snacks you need. They've got them there at 7-Eleven. Wax has his energy drink. He's ready to roll. Thanks to 7-Eleven, there's a bunch of 7-Elevens throughout Central Texas, throughout the Metroplex, throughout Houston. They're all over the place. Fuel up for game day. 
with 7-Eleven. Shout out to our guy Ashish, who runs a few different 7-Elevens here in Central Texas. Go say what's up to him. Big Longhorn fan, big Texas sports unfiltered fan as well. Shout out to Last Stand Hats, too. Many thanks to them for their great partnership. We're working on getting some gear. That's right, some Texas sports unfiltered gear from our friends over at Last Stand Hats. You don't have to wait for that. You can go to their website right now and buy some of their badass Longhorn hats right there. Check them out, laststandhats.com. Shout out to Sentex Tickets. Get all of the tickets that you need all year long over at sentextickets.com. And one more shout out to Woods Comfort Systems as well. If something is messed up with your AC, uh, don't go through these red hot days without working air conditioning. Reach out to our friends at Woods Comfort Systems. Check them out online, woodscomfortsystems.com, where comfort is our middle name. Wags, quick tease. What's coming up from 10 to 11 today on Chaos Theory? We're going to talk a little bit of fantasy sports. We also had a video game drop. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about that for about five minutes in our Level Up segment as well. We got a lot of NFL to break down for Thursday Night Football, and we'll touch it. Got to talk Longhorns, Alabama. Going into the weekend, brother. Got to talk Longhorns, Alabama. And we'll also be talking about how you can meet Griff out there at B-Caves Covert. So make sure you guys are getting out there to see the team and the legendary Longhorn out there, Mr. Griffin. So we will get you guys out of here and have have Rodney come in whenever you guys are ready. There we go. There we go. go. Smooth transition. How are we doing this morning? I'm headed to covert. I will be locked in. I'm doing well. I'm excited to listen to you guys. I will uh, I'll check in with y'all soon. Have a great show. Later, brother. Be good, man. Take care, dude.